Hey there, and welcome back to the Will and Rob Show. It's great to be with you uh, this afternoon or morning, I guess, if you're, you know, maybe a morning listener. I don't, uh, or an evening. My goodness, there's so many times of day I need to make sure that I mention. I won't get to all of them. And so we'll just move forward here. Uh, it's, it is good to be with you. My name is Will Stockdale. I'm a ministry associate here with Ministry of State, a ministry of the PCA in Washington, D.C., here with uh, my very good friend and uh, idea bouncer bouncer offer, um, uh, thought pad partner, Robert Hasser, comms director here, uh, well, in, uh, with ministry of state, um, good to be, uh, with him and talking, we, we were talking a little bit before this, uh, you know, sadly today was supposed to be the first day of spring training for baseball, but, uh, that's not happening. No, it's not. I, I don't know another professional sports league that hates its fans as much as the MLB. Um, so hopefully they get the deal done so we can watch some baseball this year, but who knows? Do you think baseball is aware of how bad of a look this is like just how foolish and ridiculous they look to the rest of the world? I don't know. I wonder sometimes if there are people in sort of like smoky rooms in the MLB who still think that like, we are the most important game in America right now as they watch like most of America congregate around a TV to watch the Super Bowl. Um, I wonder if they quite understand what's happening. Also the fact that basically no one under the age of like 25 watches baseball anymore. Um, I don't know if they really quite understand these things, but who knows? I always get the picture of sort of like, uh, have you ever seen that get that meme of uh, it's like Ronald Reagan George H.W. Bush, Dick Cheney, and a couple other like it's like the old white Republican men, and they're all like have champagne glasses and they're laughing. Like that's I, kind of the image I get of the MLB. <laughs> and they're just kind of out of touch with the rest of us. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I was thinking like when I said, are they aware of how ridiculous they look to the rest of the world? I'm thinking the rest of the world. That's probably too generous of a term. <laughs> probably doesn't even, it's probably too ridiculous to even use as a turn of phrase. So, yeah, and I, you know, love baseball. I think it's such a great sport. But um, anyways, we're not here to talk about all the things the MLB needs to figure out, although they probably won't. Um, we are here to, to have another conversation. And last week we talked about prayer, uh, the role of prayer. And we've also in the past mentioned things like the metaverse. Uh, we talk about cultural issues. And so one thing uh, that we thought it might be good to discuss and talk about, maybe share some ideas and um, things with, with you guys is uh, tips to uh, stay human in a pressurized world that seems to be transmorphing its definition of human or good life in so many different ways. Um, and we've talked about like David Wells from a long time ago and James K Smith and how he talks about that. But, you know, this is an important concept. And I think it's also not only for us in our sanctification and our walk of holiness and godliness, um, purity of heart and, and vitality of, living, but it's also a great apologetic witness. Um, as I've thought about this concept, wrote a Devo on devotional on self-control and the role that self-control played as a witnessing tool from Paul to Felix when he was, um, when he was talking to him. And so th there is, 
you know, how we choose to live and how we uh, remember our uh, anthropology, humanity before God and in the sight of the world, it, it, it is a way that the world watches and uh, maybe is convicted or challenged or um, wonders what is the reason for the hope that we have. And so I was thinking about this verse, actually, just something that we've, we're probably all familiar with Romans 12, one and two, where uh, the Bible says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So with this long-winded introduction, I wanted to, Robert, you said you had like six things and tips. And so maybe you could just give a little background about what you're thinking and then uh, what these tips are. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of the question, you know, how to live uh, humanely, like how to live as a human uh, in uh, the year of our Lord, 2022, when it does feel as if so much of um, uh, the structures and systems that surround us are designed to make us less human. Um, and uh, I actually thought of this uh, very briefly, uh, kind of the, the, the kernel of, of where this idea started uh, was actually watching the Super Bowl. So we didn't even get to, we didn't discuss that yet in our intro. Will, did you watch the Super Bowl? Oh my gosh, I did. How could I have done this? How could I have skipped the Super Bowl? I know you went straight, to, you went straight to uh, uh, the lockout in, in baseball and skipped over the Super Bowl, the biggest sporting event of the year, um, which goes to show you're a true baseball fan. If, Thank if you, you're Robert. more interested in what's going on with the lockout and then the Super Bowl, that just proves your, your true fandom for baseball. I appreciate um, that. Uh, but uh, of course, during the Super Bowl, there's commercials and everyone always talks about the commercials and um, they, had a, they had a commercial uh, for the metaverse. Um, and uh, uh, as I was watching the commercial, I thought there was a lot of interesting things that were sort of being presented um, and how much it was sort of designed and antagonistic against what it means to be human. And uh, in the commercial, there's, it's kind of like these Chuck E. Cheese animatronic robot things. And it's sort of like the good old days of Chuck E. Cheese are gone because everyone's on the metaverse now. And so like these robots are moved from this really happy sort of place of like childhood fun, like Chuck E. Cheese, and they kind of get distributed around um, until eventually he's like, he's like a, a welcome thing at like some conference center. Well, in the evening, he puts on his, his, his 3D glass or whatever they're called, the uh, metaverse glasses. And, and he the like Oculus. Re- yeah, that's what it is. The Oculus. And he, that's how old I am. I don't understand what the terms are. And he like re-enters the metaverse and he's, they have created the, the old Chuck E. Cheese in the metaverse. And so he, he gets to, you know, sort of participate in that as well. And what I thought was interesting about that was that on the one hand, it rejects the sort of um, uh, the flesh and blood aspect of like living in, in the world of like being in community. Um, and the, the idea that uh, communities change and, and um, there's dynamics to them. But then the, the, the future that he's going to is actually the past. It's actually to relive the past. And I was thinking about this in the context of the way that our society 
uh, one of the things about being human is living, maturing, and dying well. And one of the great promises of the metaverse is that you don't have to mature. Like you, you can stay sort of where you are right now perpetually if you so choose. And in fact, there's a lot of great, quote unquote, great things to do, you know, if you do that. And so this idea is sort of basically being like, you never grow out of your childhood. You get to just live your childhood for your entire existence on the metaverse. Um, and I thought, wow, that's such a depressing thought because when you're a kid, you look forward to being a, a, an adult. You look forward to maturing and growing. And yes, there's hardships and trials, but there's a lot of great things that happen as you mature and grow old. Um, and one of the things about the metaverse is that it's actually trying to say, no, that's bad. Sort of exist on our platform in sort of perpetual childhood. Um, and I think that that's a huge um, aspect of something in our something in our society that we don't always see is the way that it discourages maturity and growth and encourages sort of perpetual immaturity. Mm. Yeah, I think about that. I also um, just made me think of the halftime show. And I mean, it was entertaining. It was obviously for people our age and maybe 15 years older. Um, but, you know, there's something to that reliving the glory days, even in the halftime show that was there. So I think, you know, the metaverse is tapping into something that is deep within the human heart. And I think about how Calvin has said that it, it is nearly impossible with the exception of staring directly at a cadaver to come to terms with one's mortality. Mm. We, it is just so hard for us to really do and to really think of the, the truth that we do age. Um, but, you know, there's um, growth and, and it can be scary, but us, our generation, our age, we need people who are living in their 60s, 70s, 80s as 60, 70, 80 year olds. Um, that is something that we benefit from. And um, it doesn't mean that like, you know, that's not generationalism, but that is as we recognize one day where we will be, we are reliant and um, uh, are looking to older generations telling us how do, how do I get to where you are or how do I even where I am now do what I'm doing well. And when that isn't the case with older generations and they're still trying to live um, as 33 year olds or as a 33 year old is trying to live as a 22 year old um, a lot, a lot gets jumbled and messed up and confused and um, uh, dysfunctional. Definitely. No, I think that's totally true. And I think we, you're right to point out the halftime show. I mean, these were artists that sort of lived uh, in their prime in the you know late '90s, early aughts, and you know we are 20 years, 30 years removed from that. But the way that they dress, the the lyrics, all try to reflect that they're still back in that in that age. And it's just it. You can either have one or two reactions. You can sort of like fake applaud it in the sort of like, oh yeah, look at them. They're like, they are. Uh, uh, resisting age, they're resisting these kind of things. It's, it's sort of like fight the power, sort of fake celebration. Or, and I think this was what it is kind of instinctually and sort of deep down, is it's sort of like embarrassing. Like, I hope I'm not like that when I'm yeah. in my late 50s. I hope I'm not wearing that in my late 50s. Uh, well, that was kind of the vibe I got. So, yeah. Uh, whether it's Mary J. Blige, I hope you're never wearing what she was wearing, but, or, um, <laughs> Or, or 50 cent. But I, I guess I wonder what's the difference between that and the who, 
or that and Prince, you know, because I thought both of those were really fun. Um, and maybe there's not a difference, you know? And so I'm not trying to, I, I'm just thinking out loud and processing here, but um, I, I, I will stick to the fact that it is important to, um, to be yeah, models. You know, it's interesting. I was, that's a really good observation. I will say this. I I'm a, I'm one of those guys that likes to go back on YouTube and watch um, uh, like old live performances of, of classic rock songs. And then usually when, when you're looking for those, you'll find, you know, the reunion tour stuff. And I did notice in comparison to the Super Bowl, especially with like R&B and hip hop. And I think of also like, um, I think it was two years ago, the Jennifer Lopez halftime show. Um, we do seem to give our rock stars more grace in terms of aging. Like I, wa- I recently watched like an old Pink Floyd uh, performance of Comfortably Numb. And they're like all in like gray suits with like open collar t- like shirts. Like they look like almost like business casual. It's like, this is Pink Floyd. Like these were like the most like psychedelic, like acid dripping rock stars of the, of the era. And they kind of look like normal dads. It's just kind of, you know, we, we sort of, we give room for rock stars to age. Well, we just don't do it with other genres, especially pop. Um, and I don't know what that means. I don't have like a sort of an analysis of that. Um, but I, th- I definitely think that's there. Maybe it has to do with aging. Like that, it, that, that sort of boomer generation didn't live under the same pressures to, to be as young, maybe as, as Gen Xers and millennials. Um, Cause I think the fear of aging amongst millennials is incredibly high. I think that is like what you're saying, the idea of aging and then eventually approaching death is terrifying. Who, what's Um, the last generation to be considered geriatric in their forties, like a geriatric (laughs) millennium. I don't, who knows, right. Forties is supposed to be like the prime of your life. Right. I, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> hope it's not this. No. Um, okay. So let's 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 get to this though. I, I think there is something there. We could go so far trying to make this comparison, um, but you know, regardless of if it's, I think I think there's something true though to say that there is a fear of aging that is that is um, universal for for humans throughout time, um, and it exposes itself and instantiates itself in different ways. Um, and that we use technology to try to, um, to suppress that, that fear. I agree. So that, that I'll, I'll conclude then by saying my first tip is hashtag reject the metaverse, something you've heard on this podcast before. Um, but specifically because of that, that element about aging, um, I think the metaverse does not allow for aging, which is a key component of being human. And therefore we ought to reject it. Um, and so now all with, with that in mind, I think I can move on to the rest of my tips that I wrote down. And when I wrote these down, I was, I was writing them to myself, but I think they're worth sharing with other people to see if, if, they, find them, if they find them edifying as well. Number two, I have uh, work with your hands. Um, and I put in, I put in uh, 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 colons, uh, lifting weights or exercising counts. Um, but I, I think working with your hands is a good way to, to remain human. I think it, even if it's not your career and maybe you're not like a carpenter or a plumber, but I think every person should have at least one project that involves building, assembling, or making. Um, I, and I have a couple notes now. I said, it's how we're created 
And it, it bringing order out of disorder, I, I think of the Tolkien quote that we're like little makers. It's the way that we uh, uh, exemplify and sort of exhibit the, the Imago Dei. So number two, working with you. Will, do you have a project where you work with your hands? Not, not currently. I did take up gardening several years ago and oh, really enjoyed that. And I'll say my parents, they live on a couple acres and uh, I miss being able to be on the, the lawn, riding lawnmower and uh, uh, that tending a little plot of land. I, I do miss being able to do that. Yeah. It's uh, it, uh, I know Adam, who's one of our colleagues at ministry of state, he's like amazing at building furniture and dude, and he is that guy. We, stuff. yeah. We need to, I need him to make me something. I don't know what, yeah. but I, <laughs> he, should, he will do it. He's, he's so good at it. Um, number three, I have spend time every day outdoors. I think this is incredibly important, especially considering the fact that a lot of us spent the mo- a lot of the last two years mo- spending more time indoors than we normally did because uh, of the pandemic, uh, but spending time every day outdoors. And what I added to that is learning to be able to name flora and fauna. And again, it goes back to how we're created. You know, Adam, that was his, that was his vocation was to name the animals. Um, and I think there's something really cool about being able to like walk through a forest or walk, you know, through, uh, nature and be able to be like, oh yeah, that's a birch tree. Oh yeah. That's a, what a so-and-so kind of plant. Oh, look, that's a, this bird and that bird. Um, I think it's just like really cool to be able to know and name what, uh, God has put in creation um, mm. for our good. So yeah. that that's number three. Um, uh, number four, I just have, don't be a leech. And what I mean by that is um, uh, as much as you're taking out of your community, you should be putting into your community. Mm. Um, investing uh, in local businesses, volunteering, uh, getting uh, a volu- or volunteering for not just um, charitable causes, but also political associations and, you know, running for school board and, and occupying that position on your, your homeowners association, things like that. Hmm. Investing in your community, uh, especially as much as you are, you're taking out of it. Um, and we'll jump in here anytime when you have thoughts. Um, I think these are good. Yeah. I, I only thoughts, Robert, typically, you know, are, are off air and I, offer you immense amount of criticism and takedowns, but I don't want to okay. do that right now. I'm not checking think... the chat box right now on zoom. So you could be just writing in there being like, this is all no, horrible. Of course. I'm kidding. This is great. Um, number five, I have rest. I don't know if this is true for everybody else or if other people have experienced, but it's definitely true for me. And I felt convicted of it when, Oh, who was I reading? I was reading some sort of popular evangelical author about it. And it was a really good point, which is that, uh, for type A people like myself, we often turn our, our hobbies or our sort of free time into more goal-making, into more things that we can accomplish and check off. So mm-hmm. instead of like watching movies for like loving film and just appreciating the downtime and being able to sort of immerse yourself in, in this world and these characters and learn something, it becomes a, how many movies can I watch in a single year? Or like, how can I watch all the works of this director so that I can like pull out that information when I'm at a cocktail party? It sort of becomes this way that we like check boxes and create checklists when really we should just be resting. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I get that. I, I, um, I love reading, of course. And uh, I, I found that a lot of times I'm 
like keeping track in the back of my head of how many pages that I've read in a sitting. And it takes away so much joy from just the pleasure of the activity itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember I had a professor in college who used to say like, he used to like make fun of these people who would post, you know, I read X many books this year and it would be some absurd number. And his, his point always was like 95% of those books were meaningless. They don't matter in the grand scheme of things. And they probably couldn't even recall what any of those books were about. And that basically like the, to be well-read is to know like a handful of books really well, being able to know a couple things just really, really well. Well, I felt like a total doofus when I was reading an essay by C.S. Lewis. And he was like, unless someone has read like multiple books, multiple times, they can't be considered well-read. And I was like, man, I, I guess I've read multiple books multiple times, but that's a small multiple. <laughs> I know. Well, like it becomes right. a status thing for me. It's like, oh yeah, I've read the the works of Cormac McCarthy. And somebody's like, oh yeah, well, what's what's your thought about this plot line in this book? And it's like, oh, I can't remember the characters in that book. So Be you bring up Cormac, which makes me want to ask, you, have you finished uh, No Country for Old Men? I did. I, I finished No Country for Old Men. Um, and I, I really did enjoy it. A great here. So I can proof that I did recall it and remember it. It's a great uh, commentary on fortune. Um, I think it's, it's very interesting uh, the way that Cormac McCarthy uh, weaves together almost like a radical um, predestination, like mm. or, or, or how everything is set with random accidents of chance. And I think that's a really interesting commentary. See, I, re I recalled stuff. I remember. Oh, no, I, no, I, I don't doubt that. I, um, no country. That's a tough, that's a, that's a dark, heavy read. So uh, good for you. Thanks, man. I checked out the road and then got too caught up with school. And I was like, mm, I'll have to return. To Go to all time. the pretty horses. Okay. I'll, that's next. The, the road won the Pulitzer, but it's not as good as all the pretty horses. Okay. Um, I also have here, like for Christians, you know, rest, I think what comes to mind is Sabbath keeping. Um, and I do think that, uh, you know, personally, I think, and I, I'm including myself in here, I think a lot of our Sabbath keeping is really poor Sabbath keeping. Um, I think uh, the idea of Sabbath, at least for most of my life has been, okay, I wake up, I go to church, you know, hopefully my service doesn't get, you know, go too late so that I can get home in time to turn on, NFL Sunday kickoff. Um, and then I can spend time on my phone. You know, maybe I, I, you know, need to go run some errands. So I'll go buy some stuff um, at the store and maybe we have a family dinner. That's maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and then that's kind of my Sabbath. Uh, I wonder how we would feel um, if we would feel more human, if our Sabbath was, was more focused on worship an all-day all posture of worship, um, and then uh, refraining from trying to do as much as we can to refrain from consuming. Um, especially for me, Sundays have often been times when I've sort of caught up on stuff, especially like errands I need to go run around town. Um, and I wonder, okay, if I could just schedule my life a little bit better so I'm knocking out those things Monday through Saturday, and I didn't have that time on Sunday to be running around doing errands. And I was actually at home with my family, you know, inviting friends over and, and having, you know, time of hospitality um, and resting. I wonder what my, what my spiritual life would look like and how I would feel sort of, you know, 
in all physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I think we're just, I think as a culture, we're just bad at Sabbath keeping. And um, I think that's resting is a key part of what it means to be human. It's the way God designed us and it's the way he's ordered his creation for us to rest. So, and then my last one is when appropriate, this is not at all times. So don't hear what I'm not saying. When appropriate, we should choose quality over efficiency. Um, I was thinking about this. Uh, I was actually having a conversation with some friends um, who they just had, uh, or they're about to have their second uh, child and their parents dropped off a bunch of old furniture. And it's like stuff that their like great grandfather built and now their kid is using. And I was thinking about that because I was like, I don't have anything like that. All of my furniture is from Ikea and I will hand down none of it to my children because it will all break by the time they're old. Um, and I was thinking about this also because like we have a desk at my parents' house that was like built by a great grandfather. And one of the things that happens when you pass down quality stuff like that is the stories get passed down with them. So you yeah. learn about these people as you get handed down the stuff to you. Do you have stuff like that in your life? Well, so my mom's dad, my, my uh, maternal grandfather, G daddy, um, some ways larger than life figure uh, was just an incredibly skilled craftsman and he was an oil painter. So the family wants all his oil paintings. He uh, built his own frames. And so he would uh, like gild them, put, put gold leafing on them and he would repair them and um, put the, set the paintings within them. Um, so those are, those are coveted by the family. And then he was also just a very skilled carpenter and there are um, his craftsmanship is all over my grandmother's house. And there's this massive hutch that is like nine feet tall and like five feet wide. And um, I don't know how they're going to get that out of the house one day because it is so massive, but it's perfect. I mean, it is uh, the doors, the drawers, the level. I mean, it's, it is this beautiful, perfect piece of craftsmanship um, dressers, uh, just, so much. And in fact, they moved from New Orleans to Fort Worth years ago. And he, he salvaged these old doors from New Orleans in the first house they lived in. And uh, when, when they sold their old house to live in their current house, um, you know, they left the doors that had been set perfectly. And they went back, my mom went back years later to visit and the people had painted over these oh. perfectly beautiful uh, French doors from uh, from New Orleans that were perfectly stained and, and it was just this. So there's this sign of, 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 of treasuring it. Yes. And then also this loss though, when it's, uh, disrespected, but, um, oh my goodness, so many great stories. In fact, one story, I, uh, in some sense, I think I have some of his giftings, but not, not anywhere close to his. And one time I was helping him do a, a charcoal outline of a, painting that he was about to do it was going to be a flood scene in new Orleans. And, uh, he's like, draw this chalk line or draw this chalk. I drew it. He's like, that's not any good. Do it again. And then after like the third time he looks at me and just goes, you're not very good at this. Are you? <laughs> uh, but, um, I was like, you're right. You're right. I love you though. Uh, <laughs> Nothing like family to humble you a little bit. Oh, it was great. It was good. That's awesome. So, yeah, I think I just, there's so many things like that I can think of in my family. Um, my father-in-law has built by hand uh, these two beautiful canoes 
Um, and you know, he's, he's also kind of one of these larger than life figures, this geologist PhD who can also recite lines of poetry from memory. And, um, you know, I know that when I am older and I'm taking his grandkids out on the canoes, we'll be telling stories about him and those canoes will last. I no doubt because of his craftsmanship will last for, for generations. Um, and so that's just, those are just really cool things um, uh, that are not efficient. It's not efficient to build canoes over the course of many, many years. Uh, but the, the final product, the quality um, uh, makes it all worth it. And, I, you know, I have a couple of other things jotted down here, like, you know, quality food um, is healthier for you. Uh, if you buy, especially like locally sourced stuff, if you buy healthier uh, foods, it, it's just better for you. Um, and then that's, that's also true for, um, uh, even local businesses, uh, uh, of course, you know, there's a huge economic debate about, you know, the mom and pop hardware store versus the Walmarts and blah, blah, blah. And I don't really care to, I'm not really interested in that conversation as much as I am just to say that, um, often local businesses, uh, tend to be a little bit pricier, but they tend to be more stable, uh, uh, points in the community. Um, uh, and I think that, uh, stability is always something we're seeking, especially in the marketplace. And so, uh, investing again in quality over efficiency when appropriate. So yeah, those are, those are my six things for living more humanly, the things that I want to do. Um, but thought I would go ahead and share as well to our, our dear listeners. Yeah, that's good. You know, I think as we end here and we consider, uh, you know, fight the metaverse, this is about as punk rock probably as I'll get, but, uh, (laughs) fight the metaverse, live humanly, live well. And I think we mentioned things that are generational here, whether it's your father-in-law or my grandfather family. Um, but for some of us, that that's not the case. There may not be things that we can look to that we can pass down. And I would say um, in that, like consider what you can do now that's redemptive in that. And I don't mean redemptive unto salvation, but um what are, what are things that we can be doing here that begin something to pass down, begin something that puts a, puts a marker in the sand, puts a, 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 a rock cairn along this way my family has walked, you know, for, for future generations? What are some things we can do, whether or not, whether you have kids or not, you know, um, something that lights the way for the saints that come after. So I think there's something that can be valuable even in that to start a redemptive uh, marker here for to light other people uh, and, and guide other people. Good word, Will. So, Love it. Um, but hey, that's it for us today. Thanks for listening. This was kind of a um, fun little conversation. Got a little more nostalgic uh, than I was thinking. So <laughs> thanks for that, Robert. Uh, we look forward to being back with you next week. In the meantime, in the interim, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Robert at RD Hassel. You can follow me at Stockdale Will. Also, one last thing, you know, I don't know if we think about this often, but be praying for the economy. Um, this inflation is something that not to get political at all, but to say that this is a very real life issue that is affecting people um, who are in need in very real life ways. Uh, people who um, are in need, uh, it's harder for them to afford groceries. And, and however you want to decide the gas issue, whatever's calling that the price hike that is affecting their ability as well. And so um, pray for them, figure out what can be done. Talk to your church. Maybe they have a fund for this kind of thing, but um, this is something that definitely um, Christians need to be 
seeking the Lord on. And so sure. with that, we are uh, glad we were here with you and we'll be back with you next week. Bye.